When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Andy Campbell! It's in! Campbell comes off the bench to be a hero! A superhero! Breakthrough! It's taken a while, but it's been worth the wait for Cardiff City! Hey guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. I'm your host. On the channel, we've got all sorts of subjects, podcasts, interviews, content, football, mental health, MMA. My mind's gone completely blank. Films, TV, everything. We've got a popular series, Unscripted, Uncensored, which my uh, co-host tonight is actually in, which will be dropping Sunday, his episode. We also have our new series, My Story, uh, where we dropped the latest episode with former Wales international Reese Weston. Uh, yesterday, which is Sunday. Welcome to everyone as uh, everyone starts to fill into the live chats of Facebook, uh, YouTube live and also Periscope tonight. So if everything goes off and implodes, then that's why, because I decided to add another uh, another platform to the live broadcast, which could go terribly wrong. Um, so you'll notice that Andy has grown a beard in a week, aged slightly, grown some hair. <laughs> gone a little bit grey, but no, indeed, it is not Andy Campbell. Andy Campbell is away on a top secret assignment, all to be revealed next week. And uh, I'm joined by none other than former Scottish international Cardiff City legend, Mr. Kevin McNaughton. Welcome, my friend. How are you? Yeah, so good. Just obviously hunkered down like everybody else, but we're making the most of it. Having a few glasses yeah. of wine, enjoying myself a wee bit as well. That's it. You may as well enjoy it while you're there, <laughs> isn't it? It's, uh, it's just stuck in the house. Um, yeah. Obviously, we did. Uh, we did. We recorded unscripted and censored with you. Uh, when was that? Last Friday or Thursday? One Thursday, I think it was. Yeah. And uh, that was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. We had a good crack. Kev yeah. was on the red wine. Yeah, and the red vino. I've not got any left now, so I went to the gin now. Well, that's it because I think we. Uh, what did we do? We did about an hour and 45, did we? No, we did be longer than that. We did about two hours. And yeah. uh, I think you must have drunk all your red wine. It's all gone now. Yeah. But um, <laughs> it's... Uh, it's one of those, isn't it? like no one knows how long it's going to last. So it is what it is. You just got to kind of suck it up and hope that it doesn't last too long. But yeah. um, so, like the, me and Andy, I feel like we've talk, talked about virus and the impact on everything, mm-hmm. everyone, football. I feel like we've talked about it for the, like the last three weeks constantly. And I gotta be honest, I'm pretty sick of it. But before we go completely away from it, I wanted to ask your opinion on what you think they should do with the current season because uh, me and Andy have talked it to death over the last few weeks. We didn't really agree, although I think I did turn him 
a bit last week. I think he's starting to agree with me. So, what what would you do? It just depends how long this goes on for. I think it's obviously the longer it goes on for, the less likelihood of the season getting finished. Um, but does he eat into next season? Then, then uh, it's. I mean, I'd like to see the season finished, but I just can't see how they're going to be able to do it unless the impact on obviously next season as well and you know then they've got obviously competitions as well uh, with the national team so um, I, I think somebody's going to suffer anyway whether it's uh, the teams that are obviously winning at the moment um, or you know it's, yeah. it's just it's an unprecedented situation so oh, that, my head scrambled with it as well as a sort of the thing is, is uh, you know, you'd like to see it finished, but at the end of the day, is, you know, it's, there's obviously other things that are important. Yeah, I think, like, we sort of came to the conclusion last week that it was, you know, pretty much the most important thing is, like, you know, making sure as many people as possible don't get the virus and, you know, people are living um, through it. But from a purely football point of view, my my point of view has always been the season you know we all want the season to finish but you can't you can't end it now with and say wherever everyone is that's where everyone's going to finish because there's too many ramifications for different teams who have got games to play who haven't played certain teams you know like your Aston Villas have got a game in hand but at the moment they're in the bottom three or Sheffield United if they win their game in hand they go into the Champions League spots you know it and then that goes all the way down through all the leagues all over the world. Um, so you yeah. can't do that. My my thing is that I just think they should bin it and void it, like the like rugby has done, and just say, look, we're very sorry. That's it. We're going to start again, hopefully in September, when you know, hopefully everything will have calmed down and we're not still in lockdown. Because uh, I could be my beard will be down to the floor by then. But it's uh, <laughs> getting a little long to help. Uh, it uh, could, could get messy, but so my my view is: look, if if you know if they could start playing next week, great. But they can't realistically; they cannot do that because yeah. teams aren't training. Um, players have got the virus, so you, there's too many ifs and buts which come into yeah. it, and you can't still be playing this season in June, July, August, because then you're going into next season, and I just think causes even more problems then yeah they've, either, they've got to scrap it or they've, they've got to try and somehow find a way of doing it later on but how to do that I don't know it's, it's not, I think it looks more likely they'll probably just have to draw a line under it and start again yeah so we've got a couple of comments uh, straight away Johnny Wish says super F and Kev uh, and <laughs> Michael Booth uh, says Super Kev, Bluebirds legend. I think that's going to be a theme of the <laughs> evening is those types of comments. But, you know, it is what it is. You are who you are. Um, I'm looking forward to actually getting back into, you know, talking some, just talking football rather than the virus and, you know, this, that and the other. Um, and I say that as someone who has had three days of feeling like utter shit. I, the, I was, last week, I was fine. I was just kind of making the most of it. But Saturday, Sunday, and today, I've just been like, mm, I'm done with this now. I, I'm ready to go back to normal life. It's, uh, 
it's been it's been a battle. I think my household a bit of a madhouse at the minute. My yeah. wife's actually started, wife's just started painting. All right. The walls actually start painting the walls and everything else. Oh, there you nice. go. You get some jobs done. Get some jobs. Yeah. Done. Oh, boy. night as well. I'm actually getting fitter for this period. I've been out running. <laughs> <laughs> this might That's be the it. best thing. I'm actually losing a bit of weight. Well, you can't come out of retirement by the time the season starts <laughs> up again now. <laughs> no, that will not be happening. <laughs> <laughs> Don't fancy that. You'd have, to, you'd have to stop with the gin and the red wine then, no one. Yeah, I know. You know, I've got yeah. myself to the fitness, but no, I'm not quite got there. <laughs> <laughs> so, before we go into the the retro games in a minute, which we uh, obviously, I mean, Andy picked those games, and I know Andy's a bit disappointed because obviously, no Scotland game, huh? Yeah, I know. Well, that's the thing is I picked picked an England game because we've got a lot of England, you know, followers and viewers and listeners and stuff. Uh, and I felt like people would moan if I just picked like two Cardiff games, a Welsh game and nothing else. So it was either going to be a Borough game or an England game. So I went with an England game. Um, and then obviously Andy was looking forward to talking about, you know, the Andy Campbell game as it's now we know, known uh, the Millennium Stadium. And he's away. He's away. But uh, he'll be back. He'll be back. Uh, Craig Sullivan says, forget the Eddie Johnson goal. I was there for Super Kev's volley versus Hereford. <sighs> yeah. It's a collector's item. It's a beauty. Um, I, uh, I was saying to you just off air, I, for the, obviously we got the Andy Campbell intro. I made like a really nice one, which I'll release tomorrow, where it kind of was the start of the Andy Campbell one. Then it was a record scratch. And then it broke into the Kevin McNaughton chant and the, and you and that goal, and then it finished with you being carried across the pitch after we got promoted. And I just could not get it down to a small enough file to do it, but I'll release it on social media tomorrow. Um, okay, so uh, we had some, there's been, you know, there's news and rumors all over the place, but the one story which I feel like is probably the biggest story in football, at least today, is um, Jack Grealish. Put out tweets and all all over social media last night, saying, "You know, stay at home, everyone, stay at home, save lives, stay at home." And then at eight o'clock this morning, after being at a party all night, crashed his car into a load of parked cars, uh, told the people he'd pay for the damage, and then disappeared. Um, <coughs> it's it's not a great look for someone who's had yeah. his share of uh, controversies, shall we say? No. Bit of a silly one, really, but yeah, I'm sure he's going off the. I think he's after read that he's going to get fined from the club and stuff like that. But yeah, it's it's not really footballers get a bad rap, but certainly doing stuff like that is um, it doesn't shine a good light on footballers, to be honest with you. No, it's not. It's in the current climate, like. Like for me, I always think when people give footballers grief for being drunk or like going out, I'll always stick up for them because they they live the majority of their year like completely teetotal, whereas the rest of us, you know, go to work all week or whatever and then can get smashed on the weekend or can go and have food and drink and go out and can also go and have a meal with their family without having people approach them and ask them for photos and autographs and you know and and 
then you add in things like paparazzi and you add in things like people just taking photos without asking as well they've mm. always they're always under the microscope so i'll always stick up for players who want to go and have a few beers but in this what's good everything which is going on at the moment and obviously you know the 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 social media posts which he released yesterday about staying at home and that, you know they were probably scheduled and all that sort of stuff by yeah. his aid you know by his management company i not so much that but to, he shouldn't have been at the party and i don't want people to call me you know biased to to ex cardiff players he was at ross mccormack's house apparently allegedly uh with tony yeah. capaldi as well and you know like you know look i've been one to moan for the last couple of weeks about people not staying at home and about people, um, you know, going to, going out and seeing their mates and going to the beach and all these bizarre things that people have done. So I'd yeah. be a hypocrite. Hypocrite if I didn't say, you know, these three footballers, as far as I know, Tony Capaldi doesn't live with uh, Ross McCormack and vice versa, you know, and Jack Grealish doesn't live with them either. So they shouldn't be meeting up. They shouldn't be having a party all night. And then Jack Grealish probably shouldn't have been driving by the sounds of it. But you know, he, not, he didn't necessarily drink, despite how dishevelled he looked. No, no, it's like you say, this sort of climate. Um, the, the footballs are probably more under the spotlight during this sort of time. So, especially at the highest level, you know, it wasn't so bad for me. Certainly, I never ever got scrutinised like those guys did um, at the sort of top level. So, um, what, yeah, uh, what? just got. Oh, sorry, mate. Go on. Yeah, I was just saying they've got to be ultra careful in terms of what they're doing and what sort of public image they're giving off. And yeah, that is like you say, it is, it's, it's quite tough on boys. Uh, then it is, especially the younger lads. You're 18, you're 19 year olds who are coming through who are playing at the highest level. They are kids at the end of the day. They, you know, they make mistakes. But um, I think during this period of time, especially that I think. Everybody knows the importance of it's people's lives at stake. So, um, yeah, so can't condone it at all. No, yeah, it's difficult to it's difficult to stick up for him, and and I'm a massive fan of Jack Re Jack Jack Grealish, the footballer. I think he's super talented, um, and he'd be one of the first names if I was England coach for my Euro 2020 squad. If it was in the summer, obviously you don't know what's going to happen between now and next summer, but. He's uh, he's quality, mate. He's been superb, and considering where Villa are, it's no surprise that the you know the likes of United and others are looking at him. Um, yeah. So, in you know, in your career, when what period did you feel like the most scrutiny in terms of like what you were doing off the pitch, like going out and stuff like that, whether it would be fans or press or you know whatever, I mean, just general scrutiny. Yeah, I was never. Generally, when I went out in Cardiff, all I heard was that chant. <laughs> Whether it be on a night out, um, that was be walking down the street during the day uh, in the shops at Cardiff. Oh, from a distance, I would hear that chant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, I never, I never really got scrutinised at all um, during my time at Cardiff. Um, you just you, as you as I got older, and you know, I, at the end of the day, when I first came down to Cardiff, I was a young lad, and it was a new city for me. So I went out when I did, when I could. Um, as I got older, it was a case of just, you know, you just you just mature a bit, and you know when when to go out and when not to. It's just 
I found that a lot of the, obviously the younger lads would go out and stuff like that. It's just in the plant parcel what you would do at that age. Um, obviously, there were some that I played with a lot of guys. Like I said, Tom Heaton was probably the best example of somebody who just didn't, he hardly ever went out. He just looked after himself. And there's, there's no coincidence that he's now, you know, kicked on uh, and got yeah. to the level he's uh, having. He's obviously talented, but in terms of the way he worked and things like that and how he went about things, he, you know, he took it as professional as anybody else. Um, so Jack, Jack and Ack helped that he came through the United system, which is obviously, you know, as a youth system, they're renowned as being up there. Do you think that attitude came from that? Or is yeah, it yeah, purely around the person? I think it does. It's, you're a sort of product of your environment. So that was that's probably right. Um like so when I came through at Aberdeen we had a really really strict um, coach um, and we actually had quite a successful team for, for a couple of years at youth team level and um always felt like that kind of grounded me in terms of you know the, the changing room police like the guys you know if, if they weren't up to scratch the, uh, the changing room sort of policed everything it was, it was actually a tough school it was quite a tough environment to, to play in uh, but again it's it sort of stood me in good stead for the rest of my career. Was there was there anyone in your time at Cardiff who was the kind of like would make sure that everyone was staying in line in terms of going out and stuff like that? Was there someone who would keep an eye on the younger players and and the people who liked to have a beer? I think everybody's. I mean, you can't stop guys going out. It's, it's, no, I remember. Um, it's a few lads that went out with wrong times I, I, I'd hold myself accountable at times going out with, you know just off the back of defeat which generally sounds bad but that was the time you really wanted to go out and have a couple of beers <laughs> yeah you know um, when you were winning games you didn't even feel the need to that's for me anyway I didn't feel the need to I was just you know probably drowning my sorrows more than anything else when you were losing games um, but yeah there was, there was obviously there was a couple of times I think a few people have gone out on at the wrong time and you know i think they get the it's usually the management that pulls you up or coaches i'll hear about it um and it's usually them that sort of puts the screw in really yeah so uh a couple of questions uh straight off the bat jamie says uh late to the party but do you think he's missed his big move now i think he's talking about jack grealish to united do you think that this could affect that in terms of him going there whenever the window opens I don't think so in the long run. I think um, I think he's too talented a, a player. I think it will, it will obviously affect his um, affect how he's perceived. Certainly at the moment, whether that will affect his moving clubs or whatever. But you know. it's difficult to say at the moment, isn't it? Because everything's yeah. so so up in the air that you just don't know what's going to happen. Like yeah, he could he's made, he's made a mistake. He's going to probably pay for it now with, with a, a healthy fine and. The publicity goes with it. He's going to have to, you know, deal with that because it's it's not a case of just football fans that'll be coming for him. It'll be, you know, be the general public. Yeah, yeah, and probably a couple of politicians as well, I'd imagine, because yeah. he because he is so high profile. I saw, you know, Piers Morgan's already had a go. Uh, so, yeah, he's going to have to ride out the storm. Um, yeah, I think it probably has helped him that he's. I know this sounds strange. It's probably helped him that he 
got he left before like the police arrived and stuff like that. He left his details. He did what you know what you're supposed to do uh, yeah. in terms of an accident. But and I know this sounds terrible, but he didn't get breathalyzed. So there's no one who can say that he was drinking driving because yeah. nobody knows one way or the other. I don't know whether he was or wasn't. I have my you know what I would assume, but. You know, he's going to have to ride it out. He's going to have to suck it up. He's made a mistake. Everyone makes them. And, uh, right, uh, Danny Reese. Evening, Danny. He says, uh, fancy coming back to Cardiff, Kev. Yeah. I'd love to. I think my legs would disagree with this. <laughs> so, uh, nah, do you I can't get down as much as I can, to be fair, to the games and that. Um, I've not been able this season. I was actually due to come down in April uh, to talk uh, Len Noakes. The, the doctor at the football club was organising a, a golf day. Uh, oh yeah, for a yeah. So I was I plan to come down to that, and I was maybe going to stay for the rest of the week and try and get to Cardiff, Bristol. Okay, but um, yeah, it's just kind of yeah, everything. Everything went up in the air, but I do try and get down as much as I can. I do, I do miss it down. Will we ever see Super Kev, the manager of Cardiff City? Do you reckon? Yeah, you never know, but at this moment in time, I'm still fairly very low down in the pecking order in terms of learning my trade, so um, I'm just at a stage where I'm trying to get my coaching badges, So uh, and working with young lads, so I'm just trying to get better at coaching, see where it takes us. Do you reckon, in terms of that, uh, in like young coaches like yourself getting experience, do you think, do you feel like it's better to coach like academy teams and younger boys and under 23s maybe or get a job in like the lower leagues maybe the non-leagues or the league two and kind of get a good reputation that way which when which way do you think is more beneficial i think the faster route obviously i think just getting in there and getting a bit experience at that lower levels in terms of if you do get a good run it's somewhat the likes of probably say Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank when he first came in at uh, I think it was Burton he, he come in, got a good run um, then he went to obviously from that used it as a stepping stone and he went up to it was QPR from there he never he never got the success he was probably after at QPR but um, if you do get that little bit of success early on it's, it's, you can build a bit of momentum up then with his profile um, yeah, it's, it's probably a, a quicker route to getting to this upper levels. But um, I think you learn a bit more using working with younger players. Certainly, I have anyway. Um, did a wee bit of coaching, a wee bit older lads and younger lads, and it's a lot more difficult with the younger ages. Um, just having to nitpick every single detail um, and just break things right down for sort of younger lads. It's, it's quite difficult. Yeah, and obviously the younger you go, um, you've got to keep their keep their attention as well because they'll be yeah, like definitely. looking at what's going yeah. on on the other pitch, and it's very yeah. difficult. I don't envy yeah. it. Um, yeah, definitely. I think um, my sessions, I try to make them enjoyable, but tough. That's that's the way I sort of learn. That's you know, it should never be easy. You should never just come and say and just have a little bit of jolly up. But it's got to be tough and it's got to be 
got to try and make it enjoyable, especially the younger ages. You like you say, the, the further down you go, you've got to have the engagement. You've got to have the kids engaged to what you're actually doing. If, if they start losing guys, then it's a bit contagious. If you start losing one or two boys, it's next thing you know, everybody's you know not concentrated. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? If they're friends and they want to, they'll go where their friends want to go. And uh, Kelly says, uh, did you prefer playing at Ninian Park or Cardiff City Stadium? This this could end the podcast now. I could hang up the phone now. <laughs> yeah, that was to be fair. That's the favorite. This my favorite stadium to play at throughout my whole career. Um, just for atmosphere, and you know, it could, have, it could be half full, and there'd still be an atmosphere in it. It was just just the nature of the beast of the actual stadium. Um, how compact the fans used to be together. Uh, I think that's. It's one thing about Cardiff City Stadium. I think the only time we really get a great atmosphere is when it's you know near near full, you know. So it's, it's yeah, difficult. I think um, you know. I've we discussed this on the um, sorry, we discussed this on the show we recorded uh, you know last week, wasn't it? They um, just about Ninian Park and the atmosphere and the difference and the where they've put the away fans compared to where it was in Ninian Park. Ninian Park's legendary, um, but like you pointed out, it was also falling apart and probably, you know, it had seen better days. That's just a fact, but it doesn't change the fact that when you're an away player or away fans, it was not a nice place to come, which means, yeah. you know, it makes it harder to play football at the end of the day. Yeah. I remember going to, oh, yeah, it was Colchester, I think. Colchester's old ground. And it was, oh, it was, oh, it was rotten. It was, it was before they built the new stadium, and it was, oh, it was terrible going there. And you know, it was such a difficult place to play, just purely because of that. It was just changing them, you know. You could, it was sat on somebody's knee, and they changed them, getting changed. To be honest with you, it was that tight. Um, but it was just, yeah, so wasn't uh, it wasn't the best. Nah, for, certainly for likes of Arsenal's and your Spurs and Leeds who came. Then in Park, they, they didn't enjoy their time. Fair enough. Uh, Johnny Wish says, who was the best at going out on the beers and then playing the next day? I used to be brilliant when I was younger. I was brilliant at that. <laughs> 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 but as you get older... <laughs> yeah, the hangovers nah. last longer. Yeah, don't recover as quickly. I was when I was younger, I was good. I could. I remember they got a surprise bleep test one time. I'd been on a night out. Um, oh my god, I can't think of anything worse than doing the bleep yeah. test with a hangover. It was during the week, and we were. It was one of the lads' birthdays, and me and another, it was me and two of the boys went out uh, for food, and then had a few beers, and then it actually just ended up a night out. And then we came in the next day. This was when we were younger, I think it was about 1920 at the time. Um, and then we got the bleep test. But it was, it was something that I was all right at. I was quite good at the bleep test. So yeah. I just I just sucked up. And I knew I didn't want to look as if I'd been on a night out. So I tried, you know, gave it everything to be honest with you. By the end of it, I was white as a ghost, but I got it done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah. I was just having a quick scan through the live chat to see if any of my mates were in there from who I used to play football with, and luckily they're not. But um, <laughs> we used to, I used to when I was a bit older, like mid twenties, I'd not played football for about 
six years and I was talked back into playing for the pub side and uh, oh the first the first my first game back we went out on like a session and the Saturday night and we went clubbing and whatever as you do and then um, down there playing against who were we playing Somali Dragons on Poncana Fields at nine o'clock on a Sunday morning I had about two hours sleep I stunk of martini and gin and um yeah, 20 minutes in, I was throwing up on the sideline. Uh, I still played that. I played, I did all right in the end that season, but I just couldn't drink the night before. I was in a right mess otherwise. But uh, yeah, it is, it is what it is. Some people were, you know, like, but when you look back over the years, like years ago, you know, players like your George Bests and your uh, Norman Whitesides and people like that, they used to go out, have a massive session on a Saturday and come in uh, on a Friday, come in on a Saturday play blinder they just could do it i spoke to someone i can't remember who it was who was it who was it Uh, someone i've had on the podcast maybe someone can tell me if they've seen it um and they said that there's someone in their team and they named the player we used to have like a pint and something to eat at lunchtime on a saturday before the three o'clock game and i was like oh i can't that that would make you be bloated and can't (laughs) imagine being ready to play football some players were able to do it, wouldn't they? Yeah. Like some New Year and things like that. I'd sometimes have a couple of glasses of wine the night before the game. Um, and then, to be fair, the, the one game I do remember, I think it was against, I think we played, I don't know if it was Portsmouth or Plymouth, but I ended up getting man of the match the next day. It was my neighbour, I kept saying, you're coming every Friday, you're running at my house now having a red wine. Oh. <laughs> that was a one-off. Um, right, okay, let's we'll quickly go through these last couple of questions, then I'll save the rest of the questions for the end because we'll talk some football now. Uh, let's have a look. What do we got? What do we got? Who was the best one? Beers, right? Uh, Jamie says there's no football news, so that'll be the main story. Oh, that's about Grealish. Uh, my wife's in the chat. Oh, I can't see that. You're she never normally watches, so there you go. You've uh, you've brought her out. Uh, Johnny Wish says, you, you two look like twins with your grey beards if Simon takes his glasses off. Not sure about that, but uh, not far off as well. So yeah. I, I'm the much better footballer, absolutely. <laughs> uh, let's have a look. Any more, any more, any more? Before we, uh, Kelly says, what does Kelly say? Uh, I miss Ninian Park, some awesome games. Uh, Leeds FA Cup, Scott Young and the Kavanaghs was one of the best Best days ever, certainly was. Uh, there you go. Haley says, uh, What do you think the club should do to honor wits? And if there was a me- memorial match, would you play? Yeah, well, they could do that. They could do a match. You could, I think that seems probably the, the most likely in terms of giving the, especially his teammates, giving them a send off as, as much as the, the fans as well. Um, yeah, that would tough. Of course, I would play. Well, we try to play. <laughs> I would shuffle about for a bit. <laughs> we make a lot of gamble because my, my legs are not doing as well as they used to. But nah, definitely the club should either do a match or you know some sort of you know some sort of send off for them. They'd be yeah, everybody. Not only the Just... fans, but his teammates and his friends. Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, it's happened at a time where. 
you know, everyone's obviously on lockdown and they, so there's, it's diff- you can't, people haven't been able to give him that send off. And I would yeah. imagine that the funeral will be very, very private with very limited mm-hmm. numbers, which, you know, again, is the same. Uh, people can't give him that send off. I am, um, I think they should retire the number seven shirt myself. What do you think about that? Do you think they, do you think that's yeah. an idea or do you think that that's not really something they should do? No, that's, that's a good idea. I think it's a good idea. Um, obviously, just be testament to him, really. I think um, there's not many players that have come in at Cardiff and sort of, you know, had the same impact that he has over the length of time as well. So certainly that would be pretty fitting. Yeah, I think so. And I think um, when you look at his stats, I couldn't believe him. Like Andy read them out last week and they're just unbelievable. They're the only people or the only midfielders who've got stats like that are people like Paul Scholes and Gerrard and Iniesta, you know, the very, very top, top Mm -hmm. players, which I think says everything about Peter Whittenham. Um, And obviously not just that, he's a lovely, lovely person. Um, Like I only met him, I think, twice. But great, great man, great man. Um, everyone says so. Uh, oh, my son's in the chat. He won't forgive me if I don't let him say hello. So there's uh, Charlie says hello. Uh, what else we got? Craig says, could we do a Wits and Barker te- testimonial game? Uh, get some of the passion and past fan favourites back. Uh, that's a good chat. That is actually I quite like. I like the like the sound of that one. That sounds good. Uh, Paul Robry Isles, my old friend from the Radar Arms, he says, uh, Kevin, top bloke, drank in my bar now and again, the oyster catcher. So, uh, yeah, Paul, he used to once or twice, once or twice, <laughs> just, just, just now and again. Uh, my wife says, My beard's better than yours, so yeah, that's that. That's, we'll just quickly go off off that comment before before anyone realizes that she was saying the other th- other way around. Uh, right, last couple of questions, and then I'll save the rest till last. Uh, Danny Reese says, "Best moment playing for Cardiff." Um, promotion night, uh, a FA Cup final. Would say probably on par, but they'd probably say promotion night over the other ones, just purely yeah. because of. Just the mayhem, really, it was. Yeah. yeah. Crowd surfing. I don't think I got into changing him for about 20 minutes after that game. Yeah. <laughs> I think I got in and all the champagne had been popped, everything had been drank. <laughs> yeah, I was... Um... Yeah, that was memorable. You would carry... That must have... That's, that's the sort of thing, which it's obviously has become an iconic image um, over the... You know, since... But that, as a player, that... That can't get that much better than being carried off the pitch by your fans who've you know supported yeah. you all season. That's just what dreams are made of, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, it's just like Roy the Rover stuff was brilliant. Um yeah, it was just it was mad, it was a mad week. We ended up probably went to the oyster catcher for a few days in a row. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So my son, my son who doesn't like football. Just asked, uh, weirdest moment playing in Cardiff or for Cardiff? Weirdest moment. Knock, knocking over the linesman. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, probably Eddie Johnson scoring. <laughs> that was a that weird was moment. So <laughs> strange. <laughs> just, 
It's like we won the World Cup. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, the only... The, the, the reaction... <laughs> the reaction of the players, not just like the fans, but the players when he scored, is very reminiscent of when Mark Hudson scores from his own half, yeah. where like no one can believe it and then they all just like kind of pile him. But um, what was he like? Eddie. Eddie was a lovely guy. He was just um, he was actually really talented. He just went through a spell where he just couldn't score. Me and, me and Gav used to say, uh, Gav and Ray used to speak about him in training and say he's actually, he's technically very good. Just Gav says, give him a bit of time, he'll score loads. And I was just, we're still waiting, we're still waiting. <laughs> eventually, just went on and on. He's a good player. You know, he's actually a good player. Just had a, had a spell where it just became actually a thing where, you know, became a thing and not scoring goals. And then now yeah, we're wearing the t shirt. Longer and longer. Have you got a t shirt? <laughs> no, I wish I did. I would have worn it tonight. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, Kelly points out that the linesman that you flattened was a lineswoman, but um, we're not going to talk about that anymore because we talked about that on uh, the unscripted and censored yeah, show. So I'm trying to not answer and uh, not ask you the, all the questions which you've covered in that show, but uh, so far, so good. We've been quite lucky. Uh, yeah, uh, Craig Sullivan just pointed out it's, uh, it's Mark Hudson's birthday today, so happy birthday, yeah. Skipper. Uh, I think there was one more question. Where was it? Oh, yeah. And by the way, uh, you, uh, sorry, Eddie Johnson scored more goals for Cardiff City than Gary Medine. There you go. And uh, that's from Kelly as well. Yeah, that's it. You think he didn't get his own t shirt, did he? Right. That's the, <laughs> that's the questions done for now. If you've got any more questions, keep dropping them in and we'll go back to them. Uh, at the end of the show, can I, I would like someone in the live chat? Can you have a look on Periscope and tell me if it's working or not? Uh, because it's the first time I've tried to do three at a time, so let's have a have a little look. But um, we're going to talk some football, some actual football that we all forgot what it's like to watch football and talk about it. Packed four <laughs> games to uh, to break down, to review, whatever you want to call it. Um, so the first game, which I think we'll go with, let's go. Let's start with the England game, and uh, we'll work our way through. So we was, uh, the game we watched uh, was England six, Panama one, from the uh, the World Cup. Um, sometimes these games, these types of games, can be tricky, can't they? Because you know everyone expected England to win comfortably, which they did. But you know, potential banana skin, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think Scotland could have beat Panama. They were that bad that day. I think Scotland would have given them a game. Problem is, like, like you've seen with San Marino, is nine times out of ten they do get stuffed. Just every now and again, somebody will yeah. kind of just slip up or it's, it's it happens. So you've got to be Scotland. careful. Scotland did that. They've done it against Faroe Islands, I think. They've done it against a few. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wales used to do it as well all the time. 
we've had our heart um, broken a few times. Oh yeah. Oh yes. So did Scotland get to the playoffs for the Euros? This or not? Yeah, they're, for they're this in, one now coming up. Yeah, got Israel win a, a game coming up, but it's obviously it's up in the air now. So could be any time. Could be anything. Wouldn't it be nice if we could get all the home nation teams there? Yeah. You know, if they if they can get through the playoffs, because who's qualified altogether? Wales are qualified, England are qualified. Did Ireland <laughs> qualify, or are they in the playoffs as well? I forget off the top of my head. But I know, I know that at one point, and I think it's still the case. There's enough people. Or there's uh, they they could all qualify eventually, you know, through the playoffs and all that sort of stuff. Um, Scotland will be the only team. Scotland will be the only team that won. <laughs> yeah, Ireland and Northern Ireland will qualify, and England, <laughs> Wales, and then Scotland will lose yeah, to Scotland. San Marino no. or something. No, no. The choice. What's your most painful ma- painful memory as a Scotland fan? Oh, I've got 15 to choose from. Um, Try to think. I actually was in a squad where we got beat. So we got beat? No, I think we drew. We drew with Faroe Islands. I was on the bench. Um, way to Faroe Islands, which is oh, a horrible place to try. and Even landing there, it's like a tricky landing you've got to get and it's the, the runway is about 100 metres long, I think. You got mm-hmm. to handbrake on when he was landing the plane. Um, it was just, uh, we watched the video on them. We obviously, you have to just make sure about teams. And even the video of them was bad, you know. You see videos of teams picking their best bits. Their best bits were bad. So we're looking at that game thinking, come on, should we be going to win this? And then, didn't. Sure, after about 20 minutes, we were 2 1 down. So something like that, some along those lines, and I was, I was getting all sorts of views every time I was going to get warmed up. <laughs> I didn't even touch the ball. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was that was a memorable one. There you go. Uh, right, okay. So let's just talk briefly about this uh, this Panama and England game. Obviously, England yep. were expected to win, but this was also the first time England had ever scored more. Been three goals in a World Cup game since 1966, which I thought I found that fascinating when you consider the squads and the players they've had to pick from over the years. Yes, because probably that's all they've talked about is 66. So they've just oh, maybe, yeah. they've maybe not actually put it down in the records because they've just talked about that so much. Or there, <laughs> there might be one in there that just nobody's recorded because we're too busy talking about 1966. <laughs> well, did you know they won the World Cup in 1967? <laughs> <Good> see, <laughs> see, this is what I see. And Andy's not here Andy now, so I wouldn't take this with you. No way, <laughs> no, he would not. Um, okay, yeah, so I mean, there's not a great deal to kind of break down and talk about for this game. England no. expected to win, they did. John Stones bagged a couple of goals, which you don't see very often. Uh, yeah, Harry, Harry Kane another penalty because he's the penalty, uh, the penalty merchant. So really, he really, his goals. Really, really bad defending for pretty much the majority of the goals. Um, penalty, I remember that Harry Kane's penalties were good. That was probably yeah. the main highlight of the game. His penalties were actually really good. Smashed them in the top end. Yeah. Panama um, scored though. Panama scored a goal. 
Yeah, that the was, old guy. Uh, heartwarming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he looks, looks about movie. 60, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Yo, boy, he's looking older than me. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Lingard scored a good goal, man. I've got to say, like, bent it in the top corner. Um, yeah. You know, England, I thought, um, actually, for the first time in a very long time at this World Cup, England looked like a team. And I don't mean in terms of the quality of their players, because the quality of the players they've got to pick from compared to all the other home nation teams is massively different and um you know they've got more players they've got better players but they've they never look like a team they never look like um like they're together mm. and uh in this world cup to was it 2018 i thought they did and i you know gareth southgate deserves a lot of credit for that because people didn't want him as manager you know, England fans didn't want him. They felt he was the safe, boring choice. But actually, he's done a very good job. Yeah, he has. Um, yeah, just if you look through the team, they wouldn't say there was any standouts in terms of being the absolute stars. I think obviously Harry Kane's a, obviously a big influence on them. But um, I think that's maybe what's sort of brought them together. There was there was no pressure on them as well. I didn't feel like there was much, as much pressure as they normally get on them, which... Um, you know they're expected to win it every time they turn up. So I think this this year, I think for the first time in a while, uh, they certainly didn't have as much um, much media spotlight and as much uh, scrutiny on them. I think Gareth actually he probably worked the media quite well. I think he got them in amongst the players and doing stuff with the players as well, which obviously helps. Yeah, he managed them real well, didn't he? He yeah. um, he got the me- me- media was on side so that they weren't. Uh, looking for the negatives, they weren't trying to catch players out, no, drinking or coming out, they were trying him. to support them, weren't they? Yeah, they weren't looking to crucify them. Yeah, I think uh, Southgate deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, and that's yeah, that's you make a good point, Emmett. Is that you know, for many years, there's always been one or two England players within the teams as they go into those tournaments who've been classed as world class. Uh, you know, certainly from the kind of a, the British media and the pundits, like whether it's a Rooney or a Gerrard or a Lampard or a Ferdinand. Um, but in the when you looked at this team, there was a lot of very, very good players, mm-hmm. but maybe not that kind of world-class standout player. Maybe, you know, Harry Kane, you've got Raheem Sterling, you've got uh, Dele Ali, or potentially could yeah. be that, but mm-hmm. maybe not quite there yet. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's what helped them really in terms of that. And just, yeah, I think they seem to have the nation on the back as well, behind them as well. Which, you know, I think almost in the past they've been waiting on them making a mistake, really, or they're ready to just crucify them if anything goes wrong. But they seem to, um, they did, they have a, they did get a good run. I remember, I don't think they really played. I can't remember the big teams they played. Yeah, 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 they get um, this. The the group, you know, the group is always easy. Let's be honest. Um, yeah, it was easy, and like the the qualifying group is always easy, and then their their group in the tournament Columbia, is easy. Colombia was, was the only team really, I think. That was... That's right. Um, they because they went out to Croatia. I know that much. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's you know you could only beat what's in front of you at the end of the day. There's yeah, not, you know, you can't... got final. It was like 
if you look back, I mean, we were played Middlesbrough, who were struggling a bit in the Prem at the time. Um, bar that, we were championship teams, a couple of lower division teams. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you need that um, look. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Um, okay, so let's move away from England versus Panama. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm done with that. Uh, let's go to. Okay, so we'll break the two Cardiff City games up. Let's talk Cardiff City one, QPR nil at the Millennium Stadium from 2003. I was there. Uh, I was the the left. Well, I was outside the City Arms until 4 a.m. that day. What a fantastic day it was. Um, obviously, slightly before your time. Yeah. But uh, the what is now known as the, the, the Campbell goal and the Cam- with uh, Andy Campbell coming off the bench to get the winning goal, which you uh, would have seen at the start of the show. Um, so that year, yeah. the Division Two title, as it was then, was won by Wigan Athletic. Uh, Crew came yeah. second with uh, Bristol Q- QPR... Oldham and Cardiff making up the playoffs. Uh, the season before, Cardiff had lost. I think it was to Stoke um, in like a second leg. They had, they had. That's right. Uh, Reese Weston was telling me about it um, in the show, which dropped yesterday. For anyone who wants to see. Um, so they basically the season before uh, they'd gone to Stoke in the first leg of the semi-final. Uh, they'd won comfortably and you know Britannia was a notoriously difficult place to get a result then in the second leg they had uh, conceded a goal and it had taken like three deflections on the way through beat Neil Alexander and uh, not Neil Alexander then I don't think it was I forget my memory's shot but yeah so the season before they'd had this painful painful uh, where they'd fallen at the last hurdle and then obviously you're at the Millennium Stadium, your hometown playing the final. Mm. Everything is seemingly in your favour uh, for the club. And it goes to extra time, nil-nil. And, oh, that was stressful. Stressful. Some uh, some good players. Of Card- you know, this is where Cardiff, had, uh, under Sam Amman and Lenny Lawrence, they started to really pick up some top, top players for that, for that level. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, Division 2 at the time, uh, is effectively, you know, it's League One. And um, we were signing people like Andy Campbell from Middlesbrough. Yeah. Um, who else do we have in this? Willie Boland, I think, came around that time. You know, these were players who were leaving Premier League teams yeah. to come and play for Cardiff. Danny Gabadon we had in the side. Neil yeah. Alexander. I, um, I've never seen Andy play. I've seen Andy play against Aberdeen in a friendly when he was at Middlesbrough. He did really well, actually. I remember actually. Um, I think it was my dad asking me about who was who was good for Middlesbrough. I remember him actually mentioning Andy. He said Andy was actually mm-hmm. Andy actually played really well that game. Um, friendly, but um, yeah. And then it's just strange that you know. Cardiff, and he's obviously been a part of that as well. Yeah. So the Cardiff side. This is the Cardiff side for a Division Two playoff. And when you think about what some of these players went on to do, it's quite astounding that, mm-hmm. you know, Cardiff were able to concoct this sort of team. You had Neil Alexander in goal, Scottish international, excellent goalkeeper, kept Cardiff in many a game. You had Reese Weston at right back, uh, uh, Chris Barker, 
left back Spencer Pryor, former Premier League player, Danny Gabadon, Premier League player, uh, Willie Boland, Premier League player, uh, Graham Kavanagh, obviously went on and played Premier League football, uh, Gareth Wally, uh, Andy Legg, obviously a legend, Earnshaw and Peter Thorne, fantastic combination they were together. It's, um, and then even the bench, you've got Andy Campbell, Jason Bowen, Mark Bonner, Gary Croft, and Martin Margotson, international player. Yeah, it's incredible for a League Two, yeah. uh, Division Two playoff fi- uh, final. Some team. Yeah. I'd about to say, watch highlights of it. And um, I've seen Ernie when Ernie gets taken off, you see his face. He's absolutely yeah, he's not, not happy. <laughs> he's not happy, is he? I was chuckling at that. I watched it again today. It was having a wee laugh. But, uh, <laughs> I'm sure a few a few Cardiff fans uh, would have been happy he was getting taken off as well, but it worked out in the end. Yeah, it's uh, it's, a, it's it was tense. I think Ernie and um, Ernie and Andy did a lot of rotating that year. Um, Ernie and Peter Thorne were the first choice, with Andy coming off the bench a lot. Um, because they didn't really play Ernie and Andy together, they're just because they were quite similar, small and quick. There was uh, the match official match attendance sixty six thousand ninety six people, um, and thirty three thousand of those thirty three nine hundred were Cardiff fans, which is incredible. Um, uh, Leslie is a regular viewer. Says hi guys, hi Kevin, hi. We're just in from painting the garden. Uh, so welcome, Leslie. Great to have you back again. Um, yeah, guys, if you could drop a thumbs up on the video, whichever uh, platform you're watching on, obviously that helps us grow and drop, drop in comments and spread the word, get people in and out. And uh, then I know the numbers go up and down and up and down as we're out throughout the show talking different things. But uh, we're going to get back to some questions with Kev as well. So if you want to drop them in the comments, I will. Uh, we'll get back to them. Uh, so yeah, it was nil-nil going into the mm. extra time. Cardiff fans getting a bit tense from the year before, and because it's Cardiff, you just know that we'll find a way to have problems. Do what I seen on the highlights? There was as quick QPR had actually a couple of chances, didn't they? Towards yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, QPR mm. had a decent, uh, decent team actually. But you know they had um, you know Danny Shitu and Carl Clark Carlisle, uh, mm. yeah, centre backs, which they're two top class. Sort of championship, Premier League, uh, not Premier League, maybe, but they would like their two career championship defenders who were very, very yeah. good. You know, they had Paul Furlong, Kevin McLeod, uh, Mark Bircham, and mm-hmm. then even off the bench, they had like Brett Angel was on the bench and uh, Tom Williams, some some really good players. Stephen Kelly played as well, left back. Um, so you know, even though Card- Cardiff got such a strong side for this game, but. You know, equally QPR with no mugs, um, and they they had their chances to finish it. They didn't. Yeah. And uh, Super Andy Campbell in the hundred and fourteenth minute went down the left, lifted it over the keeper, and um, he tells a funny story that like he scored, and as he's run to the corner to celebrate, Reese Weston had run down the from right back or left back right back it would have been because chris barker was playing had run from right back and beat him to the corner <laughs> which i found really funny and um obviously he does the chin-up celebration 
in uh, reference to his roommate, which was Gethin Jones, who who had missed out on the squad that day. No, but um, it was massive, you know, massive for Cardiff. Cardiff City, Cardiff City as a club, Cardiff City as a fan. Um, Sam O'Man was trying to build this thing and get us to the Premier League was his, uh, you know, was his mission. Um, so if we had missed out for a second year in a row, that would have been a big, big speed bump. You know, how many of those players on big money and, and you know, let's be honest, probably far too good to be playing Division 2 football. How many of them stay? You have to re- replace them and go again. Yeah. So it's diff- you know, it's difficult, isn't it? You've got to... It's, like it's, an the... it's an app to that, really, just as a manager having to build the squad. One thing, yeah, yeah. one thing I think Dave Jones was quite good at was, you know, getting him pulling the squad together because we always seem to lose our best player every season when you know Oh yeah. Every season, without fail. Yeah. We would lose our best player. Um was there a player where who you lost one season where you really thought, oh, and you were very, very disappointed that they had gone because of how good they were. Drops, just drops. Just scored so many, so many yeah. goals. It's just how do you replace the goals you scored? You know, that's that's a hard thing to do. Um, yeah, so we didn't. I think the following season we didn't do that great. I think that's, we might have got to the FA Cup final that year, though. I don't think we did great in the league. I think I'm sure it was that season. Maybe might might be wrong, but. Um, wasn't really until we brought Ross McCormack back in, yeah, that really started getting some more goals again, um, and then just obviously uh, Jay Boothroyd coming in as well, got some more goals and a bit of quality. So always seem to pick, we always seem to pick guys up who were maybe struggling somewhere and managed to just elevate them a wee bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think um, like. Even Oliver okay. Jana, when he came, I couldn't believe how good he was for the spell. Just thought, my word, just what a player this guy is. Stephen in training and that. Yeah. But he just kind of blew up. He blew up a bit during the mid-season. He just, he should have really been rested for a bit. But just kept playing him, Dave. And yeah, yeah, he just struggled then after that, didn't he? He yeah. just didn't, uh, he never got back. Nah, there was an eight-game spell with him, though. I just thought, my God, this guy's unbelievable. Just, just... To hold people off, you had about five guys around them, and he just was just like, Nope, it's my ball, you know. Yeah, um, but yeah, there was a yeah. few, few Dave plucked out of nowhere, really, that were actually turned out to be good players. Well, yeah, you know, Jay Bothroyd, when he came in, had a terrible reputation for his attitude, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and he was almost like that, he was almost regarded as that kind of wasted talent, um, where he, you know, his attitude had got in the way. But actually, he was outstanding for Cardiff. Low, and you know, it, could his work rate have been a little bit more? Maybe, but the quality that he brought and the hold-up play that he brought was second to none. Yeah, uh, I noticed that Craig Sullivan's just said that um, Olive and Jana and Drinkwater together was immense, and yeah, those two in centre midfield for that period. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you just mentioned there with Olaf and Jar, it was so good. They were so strong. I think mm-hmm. Danny Drinkwater was underrated for us as well. Um, I don't yeah. think he played as much he as he could have. I remember Danny actually came, his first game he didn't do well, and then he just was judged on it. He only had a bit part playing after that, but I, I always thought Danny was good. He just never really... He was there. He, was, he came to us to get games, really, and he never got games, so it was, it was tough for him. He was... 
they'll be sort of back up for the first team. Um, but he's obviously kicked on. Mm. Uh, Charlie says, uh, is there a moment in Cardiff which shocked you massively? Shocked me? Um, I don't know. I think the first time we, we lost chops and then I think, yeah, you're coming into the season kind of hopeful that you're going to kick on again and then you lose your best player. That was always always felt like a bit of a blow, but of a shock really just to the system when you were turning up for sort of pre-season and you were losing likes of chops and you had Roger Johnson away, um, Joe left, Rambo left, um, Chris Gunter left, boys like that. It was all really good players that just ended up, you know. Yeah, just going. Yeah, so you look at the sort of boys we had, if we could have kept everybody together, I know it's hard because of the finances, especially, you know, we were probably having to sell boys to stay afloat, maybe, at that time. Um, so it's just one of the things. It would have been good to have kept hold of them and probably was the difference between us getting up and not getting up in the end. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, Leslie says uh, she didn't. He didn't realise you were Scottish. And uh, how do you rate John Hendry, fellow Scottish man and Middlesbrough player? John Hendry. Um, yeah, I don't see much of him really, to be honest with you. So, um, yeah, can't really pass comment on him. I've not seen him enough. Yeah, he was. Uh, I remember him as I was younger, growing up. Maybe uh, he was really like a really quite short guy. But super quick and skillful, and um, yeah. always worked. Always worked really hard for for his team. Um, and I I always used to have about six stickers of him in my Panini sticker collection. He was one of those ones where you get you know like you get the same players coming out all the time, and um, he was the one which I used to get all the time. Uh, what else we got? John Bywater says Ramsey not starting the FA Cup final. That must have been the most shocking moment. Yeah, it was a wee bit... It was strange. I don't know. I just I think Dave just thought he would go for experience and bring him on as a bit of a... He'd been so, of, so good that season, though, wouldn't he? Yeah. yeah I, would have, I would have played him. I would have played... It would have been pretty controversial, but I probably wouldn't have started Jimmy and Paul up front. I would probably went with Tomo. And yeah, Paul. Just because Tom was so good in the air, just and he just to bring other people into the game. But I know Jimmy. It was a long season, and I just thought Jimmy was not his best at that point in the season. I thought Jimmy was brilliant, for him, but just at that point in the season, I just thought just better. He was. Bring him on. Did you think I like from from watching from um, you know? As a fan's point of view, I thought, I thought I agree with you. I thought Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank was outstanding for Cardiff, but I thought towards the end of that season he just felt it a bit. His age yeah. and just you know, and you can't fault him. Like he was mid thirties. It's he a long miss- old season in the championship, and he never missed the training session the whole season. Never missed the training session. He, he was for his age, just the way he looked after himself. Just everything about him, you know, just was quality. He just, um, yeah, that's what I think at one stage towards the end of the season, I think it was, again, I used to sit next to Gav and Gav used to say, I don't think he's missed a training session. 
he's missed one training session whole season. He's got I don't think what age he was at the time, but um, certainly for somebody come to the end of a football career, um, it's a testament how he looked after himself. Yeah, it would have been easy for him to just come and collect the paycheck, you know, towards the end of his career, stack up some money. Um, well, but, I've always found guys who played at that level just there is a reason they played at that level, and it's they take it into. You just continue to do it to the finish, basically. That's the same with Craig Bellman as well. He was the same, just just in terms of how he managed his body and how he worked and how he's, you know, his work rate and training and things like that was just, you could never, ever question that at all. Um, just the same with him. Yeah, we talked about that actually in the other show, in yeah. the show, which is out on Sunday, like about uh, Craig and in, in detail just about his his attitude to training and then the high standards that he expects uh charlie said what was the funniest moment in your career funniest uh probably a few really it was one time actually i tripped over my own laces right in front of the stand uh there was absolutely nobody near us just taking such <laughs> for those who were in the stand we will remember it because i was getting all sorts of pelters but I was just literally just run, running down the wing with a ball when I fell over just because I caught my laces and just absolutely stacked it. And even the, I think we were playing Coventry and even the Coventry player started peeing himself. Ball went out for a throw-in. Uh, it was that time. And when I scored an OG at Chasetown, I got hit in the head with it. I mentioned that before. I got hit in the head with a hot dog. Because it caught on camera. <laughs> don't know what was more embarrassing actually scoring OG or getting <laughs> getting a hot dog right off the dish <laughs> it's, uh, uh, that's just so that's such a football thing to happen though isn't it? it's like you couldn't make it up but it just yeah hitting the face with a hot dog for Cardiff the one uh, the first one was about lucky it just Nicked, took a nick and went in. I think it was against Plummer, but the, that one at Chase Town, I should have went with my left foot, went with my right foot, and just slid in the bottom corner. I was like, oh, thankfully, Rambo came came on and saved the day. Saved the embarrassment. Yeah, it was funny. I think uh, Kevin Cooper was on the bench at the time, and he came up to me at half time and said, You've made this game interesting now, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just wanted to make it interesting. That's all. I was just honestly, I was just pitching it. If that, if they'd knocked this out, that'd be it. I'd be getting reruns of that constantly. <laughs> what um, what was the most disappointing uh like day or moment of your career? Wait, was there ever a time where you like you shed a tear? The uh, playoff final, obviously getting beat from Blackpool. That was as bad as it came, and Chef Wednesday away. Uh, we needed to just get, I think we needed a point. Got beat 1 0. Um, yeah, just, I think Rog had a chance at 0 0 or at 1 0 just to lift it or the keeper and didn't happen. And it's a combination really of the near misses, you know, takes its toll on you at the end. I think that's why yeah. I was probably all the emotion came out of me when we actually got promoted of those times of the. The absolute near misses and you know the the, the sort of pain that you go through. <laughs> yeah, and I think it all contributes, doesn't it? Um, a lot like when you finally make it, 
the the disappointments and everything which has happened along the way they make it more special and yeah. you do look back and you think of those times where you've just missed out or you've come close um danny says uh, who was the best player you came up against um there's a few henrik larson when i was younger was as good a player as i've ever came up against um any sort of level um Maravchik for Celtic as well, played against the Boer. Um, Arteta. And was then it, I, towards the end of my career, obviously, Cazorla was, he was good. He was very good. Um, he actually, he took the mick out of me a couple of times and <laughs> in a video of his best bits and I actually featured that. Oh. Played against him once. A <laughs> feature, <laughs> like the whole video is just you and him. I think that's where I've got a head problem at the moment. I think that is where it stems from me trying to defend him. Get a get a letter from your lawyer. Saying, yeah, uh, you know, he's twisted his hip all up. Uh, John Bywater says, "Who was the joker in the squad in that promotion winning squad?" Craig Conway was, he always had been stitches, just... The ball. Yeah, just, he always had been stitches. <laughs> a couple of little things he did. Um, I think John, the promotion team, yeah, I'd probably say that him, uh, it was a group of boys who were fairly tight. Gunner and boys like that, so, yeah, I, I would say, I'd say, I'd say the bull, yeah, the bull was, the bull was funny. Yeah, obviously we'll, um, you discussed in the unscripted and censored show uh some some what should we say banter issues with uh some players who didn't take your sense of humor uh so uh, so well but we'll leave that one because uh people can watch that show to uh to find out why and who little teaser there um okay so let's uh, let's finish these games so we um yep andy campbell won the game but Cardiff finally made it to Division 1, as it was then. Um, and then, the shock of Euro 2016, other than Iceland beating England, was uh, Wales played Belgium in the quarterfinals of the Euros. Wales' first tournament since 1954. Um, the Welsh were out there in their thousands Wales were playing Belgium. Belgium were the hot favourites. Well, one of the one of the favourites for the tournament, and um, Belgium started this game like a house on fire. Um, they scored after 13 minutes. It was a rocket. However, I uh, at the time, so I'm not going to change my opinion. I thought the keeper's footwork was a bit sluggish, and if he had made his initial couple of steps quicker, I thought he could have got to it. But the power and the pace of the shot, you know. It's harsh, shall we say. Um, but just before they scored, uh, Neil Taylor cleared one off the line. Mm-hmm. You know, Belgium started like a house on fire um, and uh, Wales defended well. Yeah, definitely. The, the, the strike was... I've watched that a few times, really. I'd probably say the same as you. I think maybe he could have done better, but um, probably don't take, take away the, the, the way he hits that ball is... Probably he's not even expecting him to shoot from there, really, to be fair. No. 
I think that's maybe what was half the half the problem. Yeah, I think so. Um so yeah, they they scored uh, nine goal in scores to make it one nil to Belgium. Um but not long, about 17 minutes later, Ashley Williams rose like a salmon and uh, headed it uh, Wales level to make it one all. The crowd went wild. My drink went flying. <laughs> Everybody's drinks went flying because, you know, uh, Welsh fans were realistic. They were enjoying the ride of being out there and, in, you know, just it didn't like people like myself who were like mid 30s now late 30s now um i never expected to see wales at a major tournament i'd got so used to being disappointed and just missing out i never expected to see it so mm-hmm. i was just happy to be there obviously once you're there you want to you know you want to do as well as you can yeah. but you know personally and it you know, I know a lot of people felt like that. It was just we didn't expect to see it in our lifetime. Um, no. And fully enough, fully enough, just after Ashley Williams scores, he has another chance, another header, which he headers um, over, and it was actually an easier chance than the one he scored. Yeah. No. Same you. I, I. If you look at this, the Welsh team, just actually, again, it's probably similar England in terms of how tight net they, they looked as well. Yeah, and, that's, and they got a bit of momentum, and they got a bit of, uh, you know, I think the whole nation got behind them, which it makes a difference. It does actually make a wee bit of a difference. I think they yeah, it takes the pressure off you, doesn't it? As I would imagine, as a player, like you haven't got the media constantly trying to trip you up and no. and stitch you up. And you know the whales. You could tell by the interviews they were doing, like you'd see interviews with them and they'd be laughing and joking in the background and just a good, good team spirit. Um, and that they had a good relationship with the fans. The yeah. fans were out there in their thousands. Um, but then, you know, no one expected Wales to beat uh, Belgium that night. Once Belgium scored, you kind of thought, well, you know, Belgium will go on now and, you know, cement the game. Uh, they did not. Uh, Chris Coleman had finally kind of got the system that he wanted to play in the build-up to this tournament. He'd got the players playing his system how he wanted with the wing-backs. Fantastic. Um, That's a good system. That is a good system. I've actually played against that a few times and it's it's really hard to to play against in terms of actually trying to break through and cause a lot of problems on the break as well at times. I think um, it suit, suit the players, suit the Welsh team. Completely. Um, but again, just, just yeah, you need um, those two super fit fullbacks, don't you? Yeah, and, um, and a good an holding absolute... midfielder as well, like Joe Allen. Yeah, it's an absolute shift for those two wide men. Um, and you have to have you have to have the players to play it. I yeah. think that was, that was the thing that they actually had the had the right right blend and the right players to play in those positions. Yeah, and I think it would have probably suited someone like yourself who was, you know, fit and was able to just go up and down and up and down for 90 minutes. Yeah, um, got my younger years, yeah. <laughs> well, do, do you not think you can't do that now, no? Yeah. I've got this app on my phone where uh, it keeps all, it stores all your times that you used to do for 5K runs. and. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. 
So I scroll back on some of my older friends. I just can't see how it was humanly possible for me to run at them times. <laughs> the way I'm running at the moment. <laughs> yeah. So. Is there a big difference then? Oh, is it? Like I did 10k run uh, a few days ago. Uh, 20 minutes <laughs> slower. <laughs> 20 minutes slower? Jeez. 20 minutes slower. Uh, so I did it in an hour, and it's usually, I did it in 40, 41 minutes or something. That is quite a big difference, isn't it? Yeah, just slightly. I did have the dog this time. He was God, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a, that's, um, I think that's a fair distraction, isn't it? Because yeah. like, you've got to make sure the dog's with you, and yeah. we'll say, we'll, we'll go with that. We'll go yeah. with that. Dog's fault. Yeah. Um, so Wales finished the first half this kind of stronger side in many ways. They defended resolutely. They were very good on the. They looked really dangerous on the counter attack. Um, just after the break, Belgium looked like they had the bit between their teeth. They looked bang up for it. Um, Lukaku was starting to find a little bit of space. Um, Hazard and Nego Nangolin were just finding those little holes in midfield. And it did feel like if they got a goal, they'd probably go on and win it. But Wales defended so well. And I tell you, one of the most underrated goalkeepers in the world is Wayne Hennessy. Over mm-hmm. the last 10 years in the Premier League and internationally, I think he's outstanding. Yeah. No, I agree with that as well. I think he's done very well. Um, proper, proper goalkeeper. I think with those games, the team that we've got, the, realistically, Belgium had the pressure on them. I think the fact that uh, Wales were were standing up to the sort of their onslaught uh, for wee small periods in the game, I wouldn't say it was throughout the game, but no, um, it just puts a wee bit more pressure on you. I think it was similar when you know after playing games like that as well, where the underdog and you can feel that you've you've got this sort of doggedness about you, and you you know that you're actually frustrating good teams. Um, you suddenly just get a wee bit of mental from that and I think that's what happened as well. We just they seen the little periods out where they were under the cosh. Uh and you get a wee bit of confidence from that. I think that's what they did. And they just they built on that and they, they got stronger. They did look like they actually got stronger as the game went on. Yeah, and every time you know, throughout the game, even when Belgium were were on top, whenever Wales got the counter attack going, whenever they got onto the ball, they looked dangerous. You yeah. had Ramsey, Ramsey in the middle, and you had Bale running off. Hal Robson Carney was doing well, holding the ball up, and the wing backs as well. You just looked like Wales could score, which is a massive thing when you're under pressure. I think if you can still look like you could hurt your opponents on the break, yeah. it make just gives them something to think about. Yeah. Um, so ten minutes in, they, they, it felt like the first ten minutes of the second half was all Belgium. And then all of a sudden, uh, Gunter breaks down the right. Uh, he knocks it into uh, to Hal Robson Kanu, who sends all the defenders for a trip to the shops and uh, strokes, uh, strokes the goal off. And to be fair, that's the goal you live off for the rest of your career. Yeah. He sent them for the one walk a day. Yeah, one walk a day, yeah. He yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the three of them are actually on lockdown at the moment. The three of them are still 24 hours, you know. Still walking. <laughs> no, even no, I, was, I, was looking, I was looking the other way on the TV. <laughs> channel, he, he actually sent me for a dummy. I changed channel. It was that good. <laughs> <laughs> but 
you know what? In fairness, Robbie Savage made a fantastic point on the commentary. Is that if that was Ronaldo or Messi or Hazard or you know anyone, any of those top tier players, mm-hmm. if that was them, people would have been drooling over it for days and days. But because it's yeah. how Robson Carnew, he's not like considered top top world class player. He's not fashionable and he's not pretty or whatever you want to say. Like they. He didn't get the credit that he deserved. He sent three defenders completely the wrong way. And then he had to still still had a bit to do as well. He had to finish it under pressure, you know, in that big game like that. Yeah, he slotted up. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. Just brilliant done. You know, Cruyff done... Underrated. It's one of these things that as a defender, you actually become used to, you know, used to boys doing Cruyff done. So it's actually quite hard. Hard skill to do because you can half, half expect boys to do it. So the fact well, that yeah, he sells, he sells about three people doesn't sell one person. It's, it's great. It's the it's the first uh, like as a young kid. It's the first skill you learn, like a bit of yeah, flair you learn, isn't it? It's the first turn you learn yeah. is that cross turn. Um, yeah. And of course, you know Belgium missed some chances then. In the second half, you'd expect the pressure was on, and you know it was two one to Wales. Wales were clinging on. Wales defended really well in this game for the whole game. Uh, like mm-hmm. I mentioned, I thought um, Hennessy was excellent, but I thought yeah. Ashley Williams. I'm not a massive Ashley Williams guy, but um, he in this tournament he was fantastic for Wales. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris Gunter, I think, has been a tremendous player for Wales. One of Wales's best ever defenders, in my opinion. Um, yep. Just in terms of like how he's played for Wales, I think he's one of the best ever for Wales. I think he's been outstanding. Um, Joe Allen was, you know, Joe Allen's just been that guy, that underrated guy, which no one really talks about, but he just does tremendous job all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, with five minutes to go, Belgium were pushing forward, and again, I think it was Gunter crosses it in. And what a header by Sam Vokes. Some header. He's like 10 yeah. yards past the near post. I know. Just gets up really. Times, I think it's the timing. Timing more than anything else. Just times it so well. Doesn't really need to put a lot of power into it. Just uses no. the pace of the ball. And bang. Keeper, keeper had no chance. Yeah. It's, it, it was probably needed just to, just to put the nail in the coffin, really, as well. Was, um... Yeah, that finished it, didn't it? I mean, after that, I remember after that third goal went in, um, even though there was, you know, five minutes plus injury time, mm. uh, it was a unique feeling as a fan because I didn't feel at any point in that five minutes plus injury time like Belgium were going to get back into it. I know they had a chance yeah. or two, and, you know, there's always, there's always that chance. But as a fan watching it, I felt comfortable because... Wales had defended so so well, and they it's, picked up this third goal. I yeah, was... I think I've been in teams where you've, you've you've dominated games and you actually expend quite a lot of energy. You know, when you certainly went through those wee spells that you, you go through when you're actually attacking, you actually expend quite a bit of energy. So if you don't score during them spells, and you know it gives the opposition team a little lift, then it you know. That's exactly what happened with Wales. They just they just looked like they had a wee bit more energy about them towards the end of the game as well. Yeah, 
they finished strongly and uh, they finished Belgium's hopes of winning the Euro 2016. Um, mm-hmm. I actually think that if this is I've, this is only my opinion, obviously, and it's, it's very much the if this and if that. But I think if Aaron Ramsey had been available for the Portugal game, that Wales would have got to the final at least simply because Aaron Ramsey in many ways is more integral to that system and how Wales play and how well Wales did than Gareth Bale is in many, many, um, you know, in many respects. Don't get me wrong. Gareth Bale is one of the best players in the, in the world. Um, he didn't have the greatest tournament. He wasn't our best player. Um, and he obviously he can do things that no other player can do. But in terms of the influence on the team, Aaron Ramsey was the guy. So to be missing him versus a Portugal team, which I didn't think were, you know, amazing. They had obviously got Ronaldo and some others. I felt that if Ramsey had played, I think Wales would have had a good chance. Yeah, certainly would have. Their chances would have been improved anyway, that's for sure. Um, So sticking with Ramsey, actually, uh, Johnny Wish asked a question uh, about 10 minutes ago. He said, um, talk to us about uh, Rambo, the man and the player. I was just, you know what, the, the thing that struck me about him was just the fact he was just so casual in training, you know, for a young lad coming in who I think he was only 16, 17 at the time. Um, just took everything in his stride, which, you know, temperament-wise, he was, he had detected all the boxes which you have mm. to uh, at a young age. So I just remember him small-sided games as well. He was a joke. He was just could hit things with his left, could hit things with his right, scored goals. Um, there was a few lads who speak and say, like, you know, he's got a chance here. Try and keep a hold of him. And then, unfortunately, we lost him about a year later. <laughs> yeah, it's very, <laughs> but, very, very disappointing. And he's gone. <laughs> yeah. He, um, what's he like as a guy? Like, is he um is he quite quiet and like hard working yeah. or does he go out much or I know you don't want to slate him but I just mean just nah, what is he nah, like good, generally? Good kid. He was um he really chilled out. Didn't go out partying or anything too mental. He just you know kept everything at, at home and he was fairly fairly settled like that. Um he used to have this green Ford Fiesta, it was horrendous. Uh, had a checkered roof, checkered roof. <laughs> oh, Jesus, it was dodgy. It was really that really sounds dodgy. horrendous. Green, uh, like a pea green, it's pea green. Uh, <laughs> yeah, with a checkered roof. Yeah, that was pretty brittle. Ramble, you wouldn't, um, you'll love to regret that one. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, Craig Sullivan also just says, um, uh, he says, wasn't just losing Ramsey, but also uh, missing Davis versus Portugal meant we changed shape. Yeah, spot on, Craig. Um, I just meant in terms of influence on the whole whole team. But yeah, losing Davis was a big blow. Um, we have got one one last game. This, th- this final game, which we were going to talk about, um, I really just wanted to discuss it because of the influence that Peter Whitnam had on it. Um, obviously, like we mentioned earlier on in the show, uh, sadly, Peter lost his life recent, recently. Um, so I wanted to add this game in just to pay tribute to him because, as I said to you off air, 
before uh, we started recording, like he was so good in this game and I had forgotten how good he was. Uh, he just completely ran the show. Um, so just briefly, uh, what did you think of the Cardiff-Leicester? So the game we're talking about, sorry, is uh, Cardiff versus Leicester, uh, the second leg of the playoffs uh, semi-final, uh, went to penalties and Cardiff won. Yeah, so I just, it's probably as good a start to our uh, game that we've had probably the whole season. I, I, that's the one major memory I have of the game, thinking actually how well have we started here. We had so many chances. And we just, we didn't take, we, we do actually score. I think we go one up, but um, the amount of chances we had at the start of that game was just incredible. I just thought if we did, we could score two or three of them, the game was finished. But um, yeah, which was just, just because he's, um, yeah, just because he's so relaxed and so casual on the ball, you, you you take it for granted what he's actually doing, but he just creates so many options, so many passes and so many through balls and things like that. Just take that for granted at times because he just looks so effortless. Um, but he was, he was a different class that day. Him, Jay and Chops, from what I can remember, were, were on, on their game completely. Yeah, what was it like for you watching, obviously, because you played in the game, so like it was different for you when I said to you, yeah. you know, watch the watch these highlights just so we can yeah. have like a chat about it. What was it? What do you was there anything you remember differently about it or like I, good, I remember us having good chances, but I just, just we actually dominated the first you know, the highlights are actually quite long because of the amount of chances we had uh, certainly early on in the game. Quite about well, five or six like goal scoring chances. Yeah, um, that you would say, you know, even chops, chops missed a couple as well. You would, you would put your money on scoring. Um, eventually does score, but there's a few there. You think, oh, chops, you've got to score. Um, yeah, Wits missed the chance as well, didn't he? Early on, one yeah. on one, just put it wide. Yeah, so there was there was a few chances, and then, um, like I said to you, sometimes when you soak up those little wee spells, you get a wee bit of momentum from it, and just. All of a sudden, you know, we we concede. But just Chops' goal was decent, a great header. Marker clips it up to Jay, and I think Jay, Jay that's a great header, puts it into Chops' path and he scores um, to make it 1 0, I think. But um, yeah, the, the, from what I remember, I've seen, even seen the highlights. Even we get back into the game, we hit a crossbar towards the end of the game. We, yeah, it got thrown in the crossbar, didn't he? It's a crossbar. Um, so we actually got over that sort of disappointment and you know going down we were out the tie at one point we were actually yep. we're on our way out of the, the playoffs so um, we did well to get back into it and then we just we found a bit of momentum again towards the end but yeah we went to uh, we went 1-0 up then it was 2-1 and obviously when at, at 2-1 the two goals that we conceded were not the best no. Um which obviously adds to the to the disappointment, and then it kind of goes from there. And that it's did well to get back into it. Did you take a penalty, or were you? Did you not? Nah, I, I came off. I came off about five to go. I, I blew a gasket really. To be honest with you, I just had multiple cramp in both calves, so I was just gone. Yeah, come Nasty. off for um, 
<laughs> come off for Paul Quinn. Um, That's right, because we when we we talked on the unscripted and censored show, we said about penalties, didn't we? And you said you've uh, you're quite good at them, and uh, you reg regularly hit the top bins. Yeah, see them in training all the time. <laughs> the penalty, the penalty maestro, but you never got the chance to uh, to really test it no. in a in a shootout. No. So um, right, okay, guys, we're gonna be finishing off in just a second uh so send your questions to finish us off um there was a question johnny favorite moment as a scottish player except your debut except the debut mm, don't have many cups so yeah. difficult because i played four games um, it was probably only my debut that I played probably my best in. The other games probably weren't at my best. Did Do you remember that. all the teams you played in those four yeah. games? Yeah, the first game was Nigeria. The second game was Denmark. The third game was Sweden. And the fourth game was Czech Republic. Um, I didn't play my best in those three games. The only really my debut I played really well in um, against Nigeria. So... It was one of them. I, didn't, I never actually. It was strange. My first two games, I played centre midfield for Scotland. That's something that I don't think anybody realises. That actually, I didn't know. I didn't know that. Nah, it's quite strange. Yeah. So with it, was that a regular regular thing that you had done in like earlier in your career? It wasn't. Nah, wasn't regular at all. Just um, did a job. I, I played against Celtic centre midfield, and that's when the national manager, who was Barry Volts at the time. Uh, it was the first game he went to watch. I mean, I played really well in that game. I played set midfield. It was, it was all right. Set. I played set midfield when I was younger. I played set midfield and set a half. I wasn't really a fullback. I just kind of made that position after a while. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, Cardiff fans will be carefully set mid. He'd probably laugh, but I did. I did for a while. I see. Um, I can see you as a like a. Like a battling midfielder, winning tackles. Well, I, was then... rash, yeah. I was a rash. I was just one of these guys who just won it and just gave it to the best players. It's just uh, either sit in front of the back four and just, you know, just anything that, like, if, if it was a good player that played off strikers, then I would just shadow them and just make it. I remember impossible. Yeah, I was that was that was my sort of game. But um, yeah, for Scotland, I played centre mid for the first two games. It was... Shout. Um, okay, what else we got? Uh, Craig Sullivan says, What did you think of the club tribute video for Peter Whitnam? Very emotional, yeah. No, it was, it was quality. Um, yeah, it was, it was tough to watch stuff like that, you know. I've just, yeah, he's like a teammate and a friend, isn't he? Yeah, the, the, I watched the video of him, of his goals, and just these. You don't appreciate some of the goals, the goals he scored. You know, some of the goals he scored is unbelievable. I think um, he very rarely scored a tap in, to be fair to him. Yeah, they're uh, all rockets and volleys yeah. and all sorts yeah, of things. His penalties are not that, you know, his penalties are good as well. Well, yeah, the, he's no, he was no Kevin, Kevin McNaughton, but he was not, not quite around, at that time, obviously. But um, <laughs> he was. Um, <laughs> Every time you stepped up to a penalty, you were confident he was going to score. It's one of them things you get with players. Certain players, you get 
with him, it was the same. Just he, yeah, felt he was going to score every time he stepped up to a penalty. Um, so Craig Sullivan said, uh, versatile Scottish fullbacks is it uh, must be a Cardiff trait, and I, I'll kind of go on from that and say, is it a like compulsory that you have to be Scottish and ver- versatile to play fullback for Cardiff? We've had many, many. Yeah, that was. It's weird. Like you find that a lot of fullbacks are the um, centre halves that weren't big enough or. It was certainly that was my case. I was just obviously too small, too small really to be a centre half. I played yeah. for centre half. Probably the season I ended up getting player of the year. I think. Um, I was going to say I played um, quite a lot of games as centre half that one season. Mm-hmm. You you did a good stint there, a lot of the time. I love playing centre half. Just that was my natural position. Uh, I was I was a sweeper really. That's kind of that's where I got noticed as a youngster playing centre half because I've got a bit of pace and I've just used to sweep up. I read the game really well. That was that was probably the best thing about the game was reading it just in terms of defensive where guys were making runs and stuff. I was usually quite good at making those decisions. That was probably the best part in my recovery and stuff like that. So yeah, that was just one of them things that I found myself playing first team football and that was my first. Well, I played it when I was really young, but first-team football was where I actually learnt how to play fullback because I hadn't really played fullback a lot at all. So Learning on the job. Yeah, and it was the same with midfield. I kind of got moved around for a spell at Aberdeen. So I learnt a lot about the game just through playing different positions. Yeah, cool. So, OK, so finish off. Uh, Peaches said... Where did she go I've lost her. Uh, she said, "Word word association game for the imposter." I think she's referring to you as the imposter. Um, <laughs> English is not a first language, so she says. Um, so what she does, she just send uh, like uh, like word association games for Andy to answer. So we'll do mm-hmm. them. Do she sent me one over? We'll do that in a minute. Uh, but I think Craig just sent another question. What did he say? Uh, he said, didn't you move back to centre-half in that game versus Leicester when the centre-backs were sent off? The I'm not game? sure about that. I'm not nah. sure. Yeah, I, give us that. I, oh, didn't, didn't... I think he's thinking of the first game, maybe. He's yeah, the first, first leg, yeah. I think he might have possibly. I'm not sure. I don't know. Quick check. No, but I know you, like you said, like we said, you played. There was one season I remember for Cardiff where you literally yeah. almost seemed to be centre back every game. Um, for City. It was the season we lost to Reading um, in the playoffs. That was I played a lot of games, centre half at that point. And didn't you have? Did you have um, Player of the Year that year? Was it or the year? Yeah, after? that was the season. Thank you. Yeah, we did play a lot of football centre half that season. Okay, uh, so Peaches Word Association. So it's basically like basically either or questions, the most of them. Um, okay, so uh, soccer AM or football focus? Soccer AM, Vinnie Jones or Eric Cantona? Cantona, Lennox Lewis or Floyd Mayweather? Lennox Lewis, <clears throat> big, big Lennox. 
Uh, best fullback in Premier League history, Kevin McNaughton. Premier League history. Um, Erwin. Dennis Urban. What a shout. Great shout, that is. Um, best captain you ever played with? Hudson. Hudson. Happy birthday. Uh, Robbie or Roy Keane? Roy. Everyone says Roy. Uh, Man United, Liverpool. That's a tough one. Probably towards Liverpool at the moment. You are your glory. Glory sport. Tony Adams. Tony Adams or John Terry? Sorry? Tony Adams or John Terry? Tony Adams. Shout. Uh, greatest Scottish player ever? Kenny Daglish. Uh, Michael Chopra or Ross McCormack? Oh, it's harsh. Picking Ross. Your pick between teammates. Because of the gals. And uh, finally, uh, she says, uh, please, please answer this question. Don't dodge it like Andy Campbell did. Uh, biggest bitch in football. There you go. Biggest bitch. Yeah. That, like money, moniest. I would. I think so. Yeah. That's a few. Probably just a handful. <laughs> See, Bellas loves no, moan. You can name name them all. Bellas loves them moan. Yeah, Jay, Jay, just yeah, probably Jay as well. Bellas and Jay, Money, maybe. Yeah, probably. How um, how good was Jake Jay Barthroyd to finish us off? Yeah, he was brilliant. Really good player, strong, quick, great left peg. Just couldn't. For me, should have been playing at higher level. Probably sooner. Just, yeah, we talked about it a bit in the other show, didn't we? Yeah. But um, it's got all the all the tools to be, you know, a top player. Never quite happened to him. What was he like? Yeah. What was he like off the pitch or on the pitch? Yeah, no. What was he like? Like training? Was he like a hard trainer, or did he take it easy? Oh, yeah. Or he was, he was, he was just some he was fits and starts always with you. I felt we just. Go through spells where you're just like he's unplayable, and then days he's just very, 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 very playable. No, nah, just he just, just like just all right, which is fine. It's, it's fine being all right, but I think if you want to get to that sort of top level, you got to just be that sort of top player every week. You need to be there week in week out, which um, the good players are the majority of the time. You know, yeah. I think that was something a little down. I think. I think one of the reasons people used to get frustrated with Jay is because, like you say, at some point, he, when he's really on it, he was unplayable. Um, and when you see someone be that good, you get frustrated when they don't do it, perhaps all the time or regularly. But, you know, yeah, very, that, very good player. Yeah. I think just the consistency levels weren't really what it should be, but he was certainly... 
one of the best I played with. Yes, indeedy. Um, okay, uh, guys, thank you for watching. Kev, thanks for joining me. I appreciate you stepping in for uh, Mr. Campbell. Um, no worries. Where can the people find you on the social media? Where can people find me? Yeah. What's your social media tags? I don't even know. You know that? Kev McNaughton, maybe. Kev Mick on Instagram or Kev McNaughton on Twitter, but, which I've been using quite a lot. Well, I'll put it... I'll, I'll tag them all underneath in the description and stuff. Uh, obviously, the Twitter one is under his name, but there. Yeah. I'll also tag uh, Kev's website where he posts uh, his art, which is superb, may I say. Um, I'd also like to thank our sponsors of the show today, which is Away Day Apparel. You can find their website at www.waydayapparel.co.uk. They got some limited edition uh, bobble hats at the moment. They got some uh, some cargo shorts coming ready for the summer. Uh, in particular, the Whittenham range, which is a tribute to uh, the legend that is Peter Whittenham. Um, you can also get uh, for viewers, listeners of the Ace Podcast Nation. If you enter the code AA Podcast Nation, all in lowercase, you get ten percent off all your orders <clears throat> uh, if you just use it at the checkout. And that's AA podcast nation all in lowercase um you can find this show and all our shows at video uh, at youtube.com slash ace podcast nation the audio versions are all the usual podcasting and radio apps but uh, you can also find it at pod.co slash ace dash cast dash nation uh so tomorrow i have a show dropping with uh Cardiff city fan author tony rivers uh, otherwise known as Lakey. Wednesday, the Danny Button MMA show is dropping with myself and former Cage Warriors champion Danny Button. Uh, we're breaking down UFC 1, the tournament, which was insane because that was way back in when, when the groin shots were allowed and all these, also, there's no no weight limits and no rules. Uh, so that was fun. And we also broke down Lennox Lewis versus Frank Bruno from 1993, which was uh, a lot of fun. So join us for that. Um, Drop a thumbs up, drop some comments, share the videos. But most of all, if you could subscribe to the YouTube channel, that helps us the most. Uh, check out the new episode of The Limp and The Boot, which is on Friday. And Sunday, the main event of the week, unscripted and uncensored, episode 13, with the legend that is Kevin McNaughton. Kev, thank you. Everybody who's been in the live chat on Periscope, Twitter, YouTube, uh, Facebook, YouTube, everything. Thank you all. I appreciate your support. Uh, subscribe to YouTube. And uh, we will see you next week for another edition of the live Andy Campbell show. Uh, I have no idea whether it'll be Super Kev <laughs> or it'll be... Andy Campbell, or maybe it'll be someone else. I have no idea, but we'll see. But we will be live next Monday, 7.30. Kev, thank you, mate. I really do appreciate you, uh, you you stepping in. It's been a good crack. You can get back to your gin. But um, yeah, I'll, still be, I'll, still be, I'll still be here now when, once we've gone off uh, off live. Just trying to I'm, – I'm dragging it out because I'm trying to find the, the video clip to play out. So I'm like – just keep talking and talking. 
can't find it. So ah, there we go. So I, I've got it somewhere. It's a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a professional, don't you know? Um, there we go. Kev, thank you, mate. No worries. People, thank you. See you all next Monday, 7.30, live. Don't miss it. It's Andy Campbell! And now it's a day just to play, so... Podcast Network.